Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, the Signpost Advisory program with Mr. Bennett Smitty, Signpost Climate Advisor with Chagas Gain Middleton. Also, Miss Mary Newman, Head of Technical NutriBio, looks at various aspects of pneumonia and talks about avoiding and countering conditions which produce the deadly pneumonia, either in beef or dairy animals. Mary has details of some new vaccines now available, taking into account the impact of AMR, antimicrobial resistance on human and animal health plus a look back at the Budget 2024 provisions with Miss Katrina Morrissey, Deputy Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. But first, ploughing. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Philip, welcome to the programme. Now you have details of recent ploughing matches and uh, any details of forthcoming events. So an update on ploughing matters in East Cork, Philip. Thanks very much, John. That's correct. Um, we had our second or third qualifying match of the season last Sunday in the Kilbrim on the lands of uh, the Ahern family. And we extend a special thanks to all the people who put forward their land for plowing matches, John, because without land, we, we couldn't have flown. So thanks again to the landowners. And these are the results from Kilbrim last Sunday. In the senior, first, Joe Tomey, second, Owen O'Sullivan, Third, Michael Hannon, and fourth, Billy Tarrant. Under 28, first, Jamie Hayes. Under 21, first, Dylan Hoare, and second, Billy O'Connell. In the family class, first, Orla Hayes. The three for a match, first, Matthew Coakley, second, Pat O'Riordan, and third, Jim Barris. The vintage single for a, first, Trevor Fleming, the vintage two-forward trailer, first Aeneas Horn, and the vintage two-forward hydraulic, first Phelan Cotter. In the classic, first Damien Ahern. Those are the results from Kilbrin John, and we move on tomorrow to Bantier Plown, tomorrow on the 15th of October, which will be held on the lands of Connor Healy, Rossacon, Kentork, by kind permission, and the postal code for Connor's farm is P5151 by D45. I'll give you that again. P51 by D45. And this match will be starting at 11 o'clock sharp. And entries to Joe Tomey by the very latest known today at 087-926-0852. That's entries by noon today to Joe Tomey at 087-926-0852. Now, this site will be signposted from Kentuck Town, and it's out to Newmarket Road, so uh, it shouldn't be too difficult. There will be refreshments served in the field, and everybody is welcome. Hopefully, we'll have the weather as good as we had for the past two Sundays, John, and uh, that's all roads lead to Bantir. Tomorrow, 15th of October, to Rossacon, Cantork, on the Healy Farm at uh, 11 o'clock sharp. So that's it, John. We'll 
be back with the results this day week. Thanks very much. And thank you very much indeed, Mr. Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Thank you very much indeed, Philip. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Reacting to the Budget 2024, IFA President Tim Cullen said the budget of the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine is reduced from €2.14 billion Euro to €1.94 billion, Euro, a 10% reduction. He said it was a long way short of what's required to bolster a sector which is struggling with high input costs, lower commodity prices and unfavourable weather for many sectors. Following the presentation of Budget 2024, the president of the ICMSA, Mr Pat McCormack, said the initial response of farmers would be one of confusion and disappointment as what he termed, quote, a complete non-event to very serious problems in the sector that were not just there to be solved, but had in most cases alleged being caused by the government itself. ICSA President Mr Dermot Kelleher has welcomed confirmation that a €15 million in new funding for the sheep sector has been included in Budget 2024, but he said it's clear that agriculture overall has fared badly. Senator Tim Lombard, Fine Gael Shannon, spokesperson on agriculture, food and the marine, said that agriculture is at the heart of rural communities and Fine Gael, he said, had reinforced its commitment to these communities through Budget 2024. He said the sheep sector has been under pressure in recent years and the increase in payment per year to €20 Euro is a very positive step. He said this boost in payment will help to ensure a more sustainable sheep sector. He also welcomes the extension of consanguinity relief for five years, which supports the transfer of farms from one generation to the next. This, he said, would provide more certainty for farmers as they make their plans for the future. Senator Lombard said, This is a vital measure to ensure the future of our farming communities and rural areas. He went on to say that Budget 2024 shows there is clear will in the government to acknowledge and understand the issues in our rural villages and towns, and he was encouraged to see that there will be work towards delivering viable solutions which foster growth and prosperity. He said farmers will also see gains from the budget across other sectors. Finnegale, he claimed, was committed to putting more money in people's pockets by cutting tax and USC. This, he said, was the tenth budget in a row which has happened to reward work and help people keep more of their hard-earned wages. Part of a statement there from Senator Tim Lombard, Finnegale's Shannon spokesperson on agriculture, food and the marine, reacting to Budget 2024. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Miss Katrina Morrissey, Deputy Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Katrina, welcome to the programme. Now, I understand... You. You're very welcome, Katrina. Now, I understand, of course, you're under savage pressure for comment and analysis of the budget details announced in recent days. But you might just give an overview of the main aspects of the budget and any indication at all, any slight indication that some sector, at least, feels the budget moved in the right direction. Because overall, there's a fairly negative reaction from the farming organisations as if it's fallen short of requirements. But any bright spark at all, any particular sector? Yeah, I suppose if you were to pick one sector that would be, um, dare I say it, happy, I think it would be uh, the sheep sector. So they've gotten um, 15 million of a new fund in the budget uh, that is on top of the sheep improvement scheme. 
it's adding about eight euro per yo for payment to sheep farmers, which would be very much welcome, I think. And what will that be? I suppose, what form will it take? It's going to be similar to the beef welfare scheme. So it'll be an annual payment in return for taking some measures. The measures still to be outlined, but you know the talk that we're hearing on the ground will be potentially some uh, some parts of that payment will be related to shearing because there has been a huge discrepancy between uh, the price of wool which has fallen through the floor and the cost of shearing. So there might be something related to shearing. Could potentially be something related to um, feeding of store lambs, particularly maybe from the hill sector, and then highly likely to be some health measures such as vaccination. So 15 million there for the sheep farmers is, is you know, certainly a positive one for that sector. The land leasing income tax relief scheme? I suppose there has been lots of talk about uh, tax relief to go with land leasing. Um, the one area that has changed, as you say, the income tax part of it is extended. But there is now a new rule, um, and the detail of this in the finance bill will be particularly interesting. So in an effort to prevent people investing in farmland who don't intend to farm it, um, they are introducing a seven-year ownership limit before you can get the tax-free element of the land leasing. So um, that is designed, we believe, to stop investors buying up land with a view to just leasing it out straight away and you know, keeping that leasing income tax-free. Um, the danger, I suppose, is that they may also, and the Minister has suggested that this is not the intention, so the Finance Bill will prove it, um, that that will not affect people who inherit farms, you know, because there was a fear, I suppose, when it was first announced, that maybe a young person who had just had the farm transferred to them, would they also be eligible for that seven-year rule? And as you know, John, sometimes people inherit the land maybe just before they're about to actively farm it themselves, before they can. They could be working off-farm as an engineer or teacher, nurse, whatever. And they're delighted to be taking on the farm, but they may want to stay in their off-farm job for a number of years and they may take the opportunity to lease out the land in the interim. So there was a fear that it might affect those farmers. As I say, the Minister for Agriculture in his interview with our editor, Jack Kennedy, suggested that that was not the aim of the rules. So um, the finance bill will will give the full um, information on that one. And another tax I meant to mention for people with farms on the verge of big cities or towns, Mm. they felt very vulnerable to this um, residential zoned land property tax. That's been extended, postponed for another year, I understand. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, you needn't even be on the edge of a big town or city because some of these farmers are just outside villages. Um, And I know certainly local to to myself here, there's, um, you know, small villages with with land coming in under that residential zone land tax. So what have they done? They've postponed the tax for another year, meaning that any eligible farmer who would have been liable to pay the tax in 2024 now won't be liable for it until 2025. Um, Minister for Finance Michael McGrath said that it was important that affected landowners had enough time to look at the maps and make sure that a fair and transparent process was applied. A lot of farmers were feeling very rushed and were you know, challenging that, that their land was included in the residential zoned land tax areas. And some had successfully challenged it already and others maybe still wanting to challenge it. So um, 
we we have I suppose farmers very uh, who would have been facing a bill next year now at the very minimum having a postponed. In the Irish Farmers Journal, you wrote that we're talking about the derogation, but unless there's proper slurry storage, until you can guarantee proper slurry storage, the whole idea of nitrates, you know, might be frowned on very badly by the European Union. So new higher TAMS funding for slurry storage that has to be very positive on the face of it um, because that particular 70% grant rate is absolutely welcome but it's for a specific cohort of farmers it is farmers who import slurry so that's not everybody um, and in a lot of cases it is not many farmers at all um, so for example that may apply to a tillage farmer who takes in slurry from a livestock farmer uh, it may be also livestock to livestock farmers, but it is the importing farmer that's eligible for that grant. 70% is obviously a substantial grant, um, but Martin Merrick and Siobhan Walsh in the Farmers' Journal have just done some number crunching on it, and they reckon it would take 7 to 10 years to actually repay the investment on behalf of the farmer. So what they're suggesting is that you really would want to have a contract in place. If you're considering committing money to a project that will not repay you for seven to ten years you really would want to have a contract for your know, supply of that slurry if you're going to put in the, stir- the storage for it the there is a separate development on tams grants for slurry storage for other farmers and what that is doing is it's giving a separate investment ceiling so as you know all farmers have a limit in how much grant aid they can get under tams and there is now going to be a separate limit for slurry storage only. So that may mean that they will you know, have access to more funding than they previously would have if some of their plan was for slurry storage. And of course, again, we're always trying to encourage younger farmers to commit themselves to a career in farming. The €5,000 stock relief boost for younger farmers, that might help things. But Elaine Hoolhan, the Mocker president, she felt there should have been more given to farm succession. But at least there's €5,000 stock relief boost for younger farmers. It's some little bit of help for younger people. It is, it is. And I know that um, Elaine is referring to, they had lobbied the Department of Agriculture hard for a succession scheme. And I suppose that's where her disappointment is coming from. There was no mention of that scheme in the budget. Um, Aside from that, I suppose other things that are of interest to the younger farmers is all of the relief, all the tax reliefs are there when it comes to uh, land transfer, farm transfers. They were all maintained. And there's always a kind of a niggling worry at the back of farmers' minds that some of that might be lost, but they've been renewed. That consanguinity tax relief is rolled over again, so that's good. Linked in in some way to the fair deal scheme and uh, trying to get younger people to achieve uh, some kind of control, be it only a partnership or at least get to some extent in control of the farm and not wait till their parents have actually passed on by way of, of getting in control of the farms. Now, there's an amazing amount of detail, and it's adequately covered in the Irish Farmers' Journal, the issue of 14th of October, 2023. One positive aspect, apparently, emissions from dairy, beef, sheep, and tillage farmers actually fell last year. So in that context, you might just very briefly, uh, Katrina, give an overview of that um, fall in emissions, which has to be good in terms of uh, sustainability. Absolutely, and, and great news for the farming sector because it proves that, we're, I suppose, farmers are playing their part in the National Climate Action Plan. They are 
striving for and reaching targets. So as you say, it was um, part of the Chagas Sustainability Report issued late last week and it looked at dairy farms, cattle farms, sheep farms and tillage farms. All of those, on average, their carbon emissions fell last year. So that's hugely positive. Um, they measured on a three-year rolling average and across all those farms, it was coming out at about five um, tonnes of carbon equivalent per hectare. That's a very technical term. If I can simplify it, the main reason the carbon emissions fell across those farms was driven almost completely by the reduction in fertiliser in that year. So that is why I suppose fertiliser reductions and changes are part of the Climate Action Plan. They're part of Chagas's MAC curve um, because it's an effective way to reduce carbon emissions. And that, as I say, that was across those four farms. Dairy, I suppose, is the one area because of the intensity, the number of animals per farm, that was the least um, the least of a drop, but the others were all significant. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Katrina Morrissey, Deputy Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. And just by way of analysis in this week's Irish Farmers Journal, Saturday 14th October, there is a reaction by all of the main farm organisations, the IFA, ICMSA, ICSA and the MACRA president, as well as the INHFA president. So we have a good um, overview there now that the dust has settled a bit. But generally speaking, the farmers feel they haven't been you know, given enough. But at the same time, the sheep sector does stand out in being clearly thankful for any indication of a step in the right direction. Katrina, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Miss Mary Newman, Head of Technical, NutriBio. Mary, welcome to the programme. I understand that NutriBio, Tier Lawn and our sponsor Dairy Gold are closely connected as part of the Cooperative Animal Health Group. Now, before we start, you might just clarify the link between um, your company, NutriBio Limited, Cooperative Animal Health, and our sponsor, our long-term sponsor, Dairy Gold Cooperative Society. I understand there's quite a close link. There is indeed, John. So NutriBio is a joint venture um, between Dairy Gold and Tierlawn. Um, so we're jointly owned by the two large uh, co-ops in Ireland. Um, and we have a diverse range of products. We produce feed additives, but we also have a distribution of veterinary medicines um, wholesalers to the co-ops around the country. The NutriBio Limited website. One of our websites, NutriBio.ie, we also have AHD and we also have CAHD websites. So because we have such a diverse business, we have um, a few different websites. But NutriBio.ie is the website that covers the information with regard to our feed additive and feed manufacturing business. Animal health, seasonal topics, preparing for housing, and very important, something we'll stick with for a while, pneumonia prevention. So animal health, seasonal topics, and uh, preparing for housing, winter housing, and pneumonia prevention. I suppose when we think about pneumonia, um, we, we need to consider that pneumonia is one of the leading causes of disease and death in cattle in Ireland. And we know that because of the information that is gathered by the regional veterinary laboratories in terms of animals that are submitted for post-mortem examination. And if you look at the different age groups of animals, the, when we look at calves between five months of age, pneumonia 
is responsible for just over 30% of those animals that are submitted to the laboratories. Um, whereas if we move into the older age cattle, the whaling group, it's over a third, so nearly 35%. And indeed, in older adult cattle, pneumonia is the leading cause um, of death when animals are submitted to the regional veterinary labs. We can accurately say that pneumonia is the most common disease that's affecting cattle in Ireland um, of all ages. But when we look at the seasonality of it, we generally see a peak of pneumonia in the springtime with a larger peak at this time of the year when cattle are being housed. We've touched on pneumonia there, Mary, but what would the primary animal health concerns be on farms at this time of the year, including pneumonia, of course? Well, the primary... At this time of the year, farmers are planning to house their cattle. And really, when we look at animal overall, we need to focus on prevention rather than cure. So farmers need to be planning now on how to reduce and prevent pneumonia in their cattle because that is going to be the major challenge over the next few weeks. So if you think of animals coming in off the pasture who have been out in clean, fresh air for the last few months and the next thing they're brought into a shed close proximity to each other, um, there's a certain amount of stress involved in that at housing and you also have to consider the level of lungworm that they may be carrying that they picked up on the pasture. What I would always recommend at this time of year is to ensure that your cattle need a worm dose, that they do receive an adequate worm dose. And most worm doses do um, very effective against clearing out lungworms. So if an animal is housed with a clean set of lungs, it is a very good start for that animal when they're going into the shed. Because viruses that cause pneumonia and bacteria that cause pneumonia, they're ubiquitous. They're pretty much everywhere and they're in every herd. So we have to make sure that the animals are as healthy and have as good a strong immune system as possible at the time of housing. And then in terms of improving their health and their immunity, if you've looked after the worm situation and given it they've had a good worm dose and their lungs are free of lungworm, you can consider vaccinating cattle. And vaccination of cattle in Ireland for respiratory disease has increased significantly, John, in the last 10 to 15 years. We're going from a base level of about 5%, 10% vaccination 20 years ago to about 35% now of young stock in Ireland are vaccinated for respiratory disease. Unfortunately, there's not a vaccine for every cause of virus pneumonia and bacterial pneumonia in Ireland, but there are a range of vaccines that are available to, for the most common causes of infectious pneumonia, which is the most common causes that are found in the laboratory um, around the country. And we always have to come back to common things are common. So RSV and PI3 and IBR are three of the most common viruses that affect cattle in Ireland. And Pasteurella, Manheimia, those bacteria, they cause pneumonia as well. So they all contribute to the overall pneumonia picture. It's rarely you'll find just one cause when an animal is examined, there's usually multifactorial um, issues in the background. So the threat of pneumonia is there 
in the environment, but could we zone in and say how common actually is pneumonia in the Irish uh, dairy or beef herd, either dairy or beef herd? How common is uh, pneumonia? Well, it, it varies from farm to farm, but when are examined in the laboratory, we're talking about a third of animals that succumb uh, to disease. It's around 30%. So we know that pneumonia is the most commonly treated disease by both farmers and vets and animals in Ireland. So it's the major one to scalp for. Um, and we we look at the, there's the causes, the bacteria, the viruses, the worms that cause pneumonia. But we also need to look at the environment and the management of the animals. So diseases thrive in a damp, moist, indoor area. Um, trying to keep separate age groups in the shed, if possible, so keep because different age groups are affected by different viruses in general. So it's important at this time of the year to to plan for housing um, and ensure you've got adequate space, adequate um, ventilation within the shed, because if you have a damp, moist environment inside in the shed, then that's an ideal environment for diseases to flourish. And we saw that during COVID, John, where we were all avoiding crowded spaces and spaces were seen as higher risk if there was more people there. So we, we can't do that with cattle. We need to put them into the sheds for winter. We can try and ensure that there's adequate ventilation and that there's clean, dry, dry bedding under the cattle. Um, in terms of um, mixing of groups, it's important to keep different groups separate. And then in terms of vaccination, there's a myriad of vaccines out there, John, but in general, they all co cover the, the, the same diseases. We have vaccines available for RSV, PI3, IBR, as well as for Mannheimia hemolytica, which is a bacteria. And Nutribio and AHD, part of the Co-op Animal Health Group, we have two new vaccines on the market, Rhinovac IBR Live, covers IBR. It's a live vaccine administered every six months and that gives good protection against IBR, which is a virus pneumonia that causes disease in, in cattle of all ages. And indeed, if we look at Pneumovac, it covers RSV and PI3 as well as the bacterial pneumonia Mannheimia, which was previously known as Pastorella. So there are two new vaccines to the market that provide protection against the most common causes of infectious pneumonia in Ireland. Um, the reason we brought these to the market is, is to increase uh, the availability of vaccines and to increase uh, competition in the market, John. So the farmers, dairy gold farmers and farmers all over the country have a better choice of vaccines um, and they are now available from their local vet or pharmacy. The titles of those vaccines, talking about ammonia and vaccines and newer vaccines, those names you mentioned uh, seconds ago, so farmers can be sure of uh, which one they're going to ask for when they go to Dairy Gold or into Tier Lawn. So the Pneumovac is the, our new vaccine, which covers RSV, PI3 and Mannheimia hemolytica. So that covers three of the most common causes of pneumonia in, in particularly in Youngstock in Ireland, and that's two doses of Pneumovac um, three weeks apart. And then the second vaccine I mentioned, John, was Rhinovac IBR Live. So that's a live IBR vaccine, 
and they provide six months duration of immunity and you administer that every six months. And quite a lot of dairy farmers are vaccinating for IBR every six months, both their young stock and their adult milking herd. And Rhinovac IBR is a good option for them in terms of the protection it affords in that it protects against all the clinical signs of IBR, including the fertility losses, abortion and, and milk drop. Um, Rhinovac IBR provides immunity against all the clinical signs of IBR. Now, pneumonia damage, how damaging is pneumonia in the shorter or longer term? What impact does pneumonia have in cattle in, first of all, we say the short term and then the longer term? That's a very good question, John, because sometimes when we see a pneumonia outbreak or a few cattle with pneumonia, we think we'll treat those animals and all will be fine. But the reality is if you have one or two animals in a shed with pneumonia, Quite often, there's a few others with subclinical disease, so disease that we can't see and therefore we don't treat. So that brings us back to prevention is better than cure. But when we we look at the cost of pneumonia, there was a tendency in the past to say, well, it costs X amount in terms of calling the vet, antibiotic cover, anti-inflammatory cover, and that could be anything in the region of 60 to 100 euro per animal at the time of the incident. But what the research has shown in the last few years is that if IBR is in a herd, it causes significant impact on milk yield in an adult herd. That was work that was conducted in Chagask. And if we look at the... So that's in the adult herd. If IBR is present in the herd, it is reducing milk yield in the order of 15 to 20%. If we look at calf pneumonia and weaning pneumonia, if we look at young dairy heifer calves that experience pneumonia in the first few weeks of life, we now know from research that was conducted in Northern Ireland that that single case of pneumonia will reduce that calf's lifetime productivity. They won't stay in the herd as long. They won't, they'll have over 100 days less in milk over their lifetime. But actually, their first lactation yield can be reduced by about 4% and their second lactation yield by about 8%. So all those figures add up to make pneumonia a very expensive disease to deal with on your farm. So yet again, it brings us back to prevention is better than cure. If we can manage these animals and ensure they have optimal immunity and assist that with the use of vaccines, we will be able to reduce the incidence of pneumonia in our herd. Making it crystal clear what farmers can actually do to ideally prevent pneumonia altogether or at least reduce the incidence of pneumonia in their herd this autumn. Try and plan for housing as well as possible. Try and minimise stress. If possible, vaccinate your animals prior to housing. It's not always, it doesn't always work out like that because sometimes we house them in a hurry. Um, but if you're vaccinating at housing, leave it a day or two after they're housed so the stress levels have reduced and the animals will respond better to the vaccine. So make sure your animals are wormed and clear of lungworm around the time of going into the shed if they need a worm dose and vaccinate to try and prevent the most common causes of pneumonia. There is a lot of conversation, not just in the farming community, but in the medical community, about 
animal remedies, animal health remedies, I'm sure that uh, Nutribio, our sponsor Dairy Gold and uh, Cooperative Animal Health Group, you are very careful in monitoring the effects of all of these remedies with a view to reducing or eliminating antimicrobial resistance or antibiotic resistance, of course. Antimicrobial resistance. John, that's a very good point. Antimicrobial resistance and resistance um, of the bacteria to antibiotic therapies is is an issue. It's an issue in both animal health and human health. Using vaccines... Vaccines are not antibiotics. Using vaccines will help prevent and reduce the level of disease, thereby reducing the need to use antimicrobials. So if we look at, at the, the, the EU strategy and the national strategy about reducing antimicrobial usage, a dependency on vaccine is going to increase because we want to reduce the amount of antimicrobials we use, the amount of antibiotics we use to treat diseases like pneumonia. So preventing them, getting in there before the problem is really the key. It's the crucial part of herd health management to have healthier, more productive and more sustainable farming practices, as well as reducing the reliance on the use of antimicrobials. That's wonderful. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Mary Newman, Head of Technical Limited part of an organisation formed by Tyrone and our own sponsor, Dairy Gold Cooperative Society, in conjunction with the Cooperative Animal Health uh, Group. Thank you very much indeed, Mary. Thanks a million. Thank you very much, John. You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Brendan Smitty, signpost, climate advisor, Chagas Knock Griffin Middleton in County Cork. First of all, Brendan, welcome to the programme. Now, the signpost programme, what exactly is the signpost programme? Thanks, John, for uh, being invited onto the show today. Chagas have um, set up a new signpost advisory programme um, nationally. There's 21 advisors have been, uh, I suppose, assigned to the programme. Um, and look, it's a free service um, to all stakeholders or all, all, all interested parties in the, in, in the industry. Um, from farmers, you know, we work with farmers, suppliers uh, and anybody in, involved. A figure has been associated to agriculture, assigned to agriculture in, tw- in 25% in terms of a greenhouse gas reduction um, over the next number of years. And I suppose the, the purpose, uh, you know, of, of the signpost advisory program is to help and support um, farmers, I suppose, in particular. But what's the overall aim of the signpost advisory program? Yeah, and I suppose you know, I suppose what I kind of mentioned earlier, on, John. Like, I suppose it's it, it, I suppose enabling the industry, you know, I, I suppose to target towards the twenty-five percent reduction, uh, in, you know, in terms of greenhouse gases from, from the agricultural side of it, and I suppose. We call it empowering or kind of working with, with, with clients and with farmers on the ground in terms of the suitable practices on their farm, uh, you know, and call them technologies. I would call it, you know, kind of basic farm principles, you know, um, look, that they've been doing for many years. And maybe, you know, again, just refining some of those, um, I suppose, practices, for, you know, technologies in terms of, and like any sustainability scenario on the farm, the initial point is anything that's done on farm needs to be economically economically sustainable. But I suppose, you know, just kind of bringing in that environmental and social side of it. But again, like mainly kind of bringing in the environmental kind of positivities, you know, in terms of maybe how they do things on the ground, 
and where it can actually, you know, as I say, boost the, the I suppose, you know, improve that that the financial and the kind of the financial leg of the of, of, of the stool in terms of sustainability, but also, you know, as I say, bringing with it the climate and look and and, and, and the social side, uh, social side of things as well. Brendan, talking about the new signpost advisory programme, could you please um, outline to our listeners the various steps? What will the signpost advisory programme actually involve for farmer listeners? Yeah, uh, I suppose, look, you know, for, for farmers that are listening, uh, you know, today or for people that want to hear more about it. So, as I said earlier on, look, there's 20, uh, 21 advisors around the region. Um, so down here, look, I think the easiest point to contact just for today, the easiest point to contact, look, if people contact uh, their local Chagas office or if you, you know, for those, um, that, uh, yeah, on, on, I guess if you just Google Chagas signpost advisory, it'll come up with, 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 the, with, with the individual advisors in each region and our, our numbers are there. So because it's a new programme, the initial bit is farmers just need to sign up and to register their programme. Um, so, and what that, by signing up to the programme, what it's kind of doing is it en- enables us um, as signpost advisors to actually access the data and do just a baseline assessment or just like basically it just identifies the greenhouse gas figure, um, emissions figure from the farm. And that data, I suppose, is being captured from information that's already there within the ICBF in terms of herd, uh, I suppose, animal numbers and uh, animal performance um, figures, be it milk or beef, be- beef, etc., sheep, um, and the other source of information coming into coming into the AgNav program is um, is coming from Borbia and the sustainability audits that farmers would do, um, you know, as, as part of their auditing procedure with, with the Borbia audit. So there's a section of that that kind of refers to the on-farm management. And that data is kind of, um, I suppose, apportioned out. And, you know, it basically works through what we have a programme called the AgNav programme, which I referred to earlier on, kind of know my number, make my plan. So on the basis of that collation of data, so the three-party pool is Borbia, um, ICBF and Chagas, um, are, are, I suppose, are the people responsible for this programme. The data is kind of put into models. And it gives it gives the actual figure for the farm. Number one is a starting point, but we can kind of show the improvements that have been made on the farm. And then I suppose the, the, the main part of it then is by identifying maybe what's happening on the farm, just identifying maybe technologies or farm practices that would help to improve that figure. Um, and look, I suppose you know one of the things that we're finding is that. A significant number of farmers have actually made progress already. And if nothing else, you know, they can see the credit, you know, it, it crystallizes in terms of a figure, the benefits, you know, and, and, and recognition for the improvements that they've actually have made and have been on this journey already, you know, and maybe identifies then as part of an action plan, you know, where they can actually kind of continue on that journey, um, you know, to make further improvements in their farm. And I suppose, look, like all things, it is an evolving nature, from the point of view, look, we have current farming practices, um, uh, you know, that are there, that are that, that are helping all, all of these legs of the sustainability stool. And look, there's there's an amount of work, I suppose, going, you know, being researched at the moment, you know, at various stages from from, from new research to, to things that are nearly there. And look, one I suppose that's mentioned quite often is the feed additives. Look, that's I suppose something that we haven't got just yet, and will take another while in terms of research work. So. While, while look, we have today's journey with, with, the, with, with the technologies we have 
it, it will be a changing space over the next number of years as, as new measures and new, and, and new practices become become available that, that, that will suit will suit farmers to, to adopt on their farms. That's very good indeed. Uh, that will make it very clear for farmers there regarding farm practices and technologies. If we had to further break down farm practices and technologies, you might refer to, I think, what they call the 12 steps, and you might explain to our listeners what MACC stands for, you know, vis-a-vis the protected urea fertilizer. So farm practices and technologies, a further breakdown there too, we say initially the 12 steps to outline those to farmers who perhaps haven't fully grasped the earlier part of our conversation. Yeah, I suppose, uh, like, there was, a, I suppose, look, which has been on the print media, the, the, the MAC, as has been referred to, or the, it is a marginal abatement cost curve to put to give it its full name and look it has been i suppose quoted widely in recent times and like i suppose what it is is that i just identifies call it a suite of measures that we'll say farmers and the agricultural industry you know options for for technologies that that, that can be used um to improve greenhouse gases um, and, and green, greenhouse gas emissions, you know, at, at, at basically on farms. And, like, it's it's just basically, a, look, a gathering of all the technologies and where they kind of fit into the system, you know, with the aim and the ultimate aim, look, of, 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 I suppose, of enabling the industry to to achieve, I, I suppose, you know, the, tar- the targets that have been set. Um, when you take it down, I suppose, you know, to simplify the, to, to simplify that process from a, fa- from a farming level point of view, it's Basically, we've kind of broken all the enterprises down into, a tw- I suppose, 12 steps, um, which basically in terms of 12 steps, I would kind of, I suppose, more easily refer to them, you know, of 12 aspects of good farm management um, that farmers probably have been practicing for many years and maybe just ne- maybe need to, to refocus a small little bit. There's probably two um, that are maybe slightly mm, I suppose maybe less widely adopted that need to be probably you know as I say pushed. So, but like if we take look, protected urea is probably um, you know and improving the adoption and the use of protected urea is probably one of our easier win um, solutions. Now, as I say, um, in terms of like so basically as we move to protected urea, it helps to reduce to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. But also our ammonia, um, our ammonia outputs, as I say, um, which is another problem. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Brendan Spiddy, Signpost Climate Advisor, Chagas, not Griffin, Middleson, County Cork in the East of the County. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Brendan. Thank you very much, Dan. And that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks for listening. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.